Hi, my name's Tom Paquette, and it's my pleasure to serve as a pastor of one of the many great churches here in the Grove City area. You know, there are around 58,000 people in the community served by our churches, each church with its own pastor. Well, recently, a number of us felt moved to come together and endeavor to serve our community with one unified voice. Now, here's where you come in. It's from that place of love and unity that we would like to invite you, if you're not already involved in a church, to visit any one of our churches this Easter or really any Sunday of your choice. Which church should you attend? That's really up to you. There are many great churches to choose from. To help you sort this out, we've created a website for you called gcchurches.org. We developed this website to provide you with more information about the churches and to help you make an informed decision about which churches to visit. We encourage you to visit a number of churches before deciding which one seems to be the best fit for you. What's important for you to know is that as pastors of the various churches in our community, we would be thrilled to have you visit any of us at any time. You know, it's been my privilege to serve as a pastor in this community for many years. In all that time, I've come to learn that Grove City is a wonderful community. There are all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds who have come together to make this a great place to live. We all feel privileged to share this community with you. I'm joined by all of these pastors in our belief that Jesus Christ is the true hope for all of us. So no matter if you find your way to a bigger church or a smaller church, no matter if you prefer a formal or informal style of church, and no matter what the name on the sign in the front of the church may be, we all want the very same thing for you. We want to help you find your way into a church that helps you meet the challenges of your life and helps you develop a personal faith relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We know that it's a bold step to make a decision to visit a church, but we want you to know that the pastors of Grove City love you and that God loves you and that He deeply desires to have a relationship with you. So we hope you'll make a decision to visit one of our churches this Easter. From the pastors of Grove City, we just want you to know we're here for you. So I'm so excited about what the Lord is up to with the churches in Grove City. There's something big happening. <laughs> there is something that's really, really big happening. What an amazing thing God's doing. Uniting churches around, you know, setting aside all the peripheral differences and uniting us around this 100% agreement that what everybody in this community needs is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's a powerful unity just across all kinds of denominational lines and stuff that God is just bringing up. There's a crazy love and esteem that the pastors have for one another. I've just never really seen anything like it, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. I... I appreciate uh, so much your prayers for this, because this is a move of God. This is not the work of, of people. This is a move of God. And so we have to keep praying. Keep praying. Just keep it simple. Keep it straight on track. And it's in that vein that I'd love to invite all of you to come and join us tonight at 7 o'clock for a citywide prayer meeting. There'll be people from all kinds of churches in this room for one hour 60 minutes of prayer. We'll sing a couple songs. We'll pray in small little sections, small little pods. You can pray out loud or pray silently, however you want to do that. And then we'll close with a song. 
And uh, I am I'm asking you to come tonight at 7 o'clock. I'm asking you to come back because prayer is the key for this, you know. Prayer is the key for this. And uh, if you're home tonight watching uh, 60 Minutes at quarter after 7, I hope you think about this place <laughs> because I need you here tonight at 7 o'clock. I'd also like to invite you to join us on any one or more than one of the canvassing nights that we're going to have as churches together this week. Uh, the thing the Lord put on my heart back in November was that we would invite the whole, whole community to church and just to any church, not any particular church. And so we have the whole city divided up into four sections with maps dutifully made and highlighted. So you can come to any one of those churches at 6 o'clock, six, say 6 o'clock. Okay, 6 o'clock on those nights, and we'll have a brief gathering time, some instructions, and we'll give you some maps, or a map and some uh, things to hang on the door, inviting people to go look at that website, okay? And uh, you'll, you will, if you can come as a pair or as a group, that's fine. If not, we'll get you hooked up, connected with somebody there that night, and off you'll go, and it'll be a fantastic time each night. So... I hope you can come and be a part of it. It's really an amazing thing. Uh, the Lord spoke to my heart early this morning in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 19, when I was praying about this. And uh, this is technically in context. It's a passage, of a prophecy about how it would be for the Israelites after they returned from exile. But the Lord laid it on me this morning that this is a description of what's happening with this whole thing. It says, from them will come songs of thanksgiving. So I'm just seeing the whole church, the church, the church of Grove City, singing together tonight songs of worship, songs of thanksgiving, and the sound of rejoicing. And I will add to their numbers, and they will not be decreased. I will bring them honor, and they will not be disdained. And I think God is honoring himself through this move. And so uh, I hope you can be a part of it. I'd like to ask somebody to come up and just real briefly lead us in prayer for this effort, right? So first one on the stage gets to lead us in prayer. All right. We have a contestant. Excellent. Let me turn this on for you, Terry. And uh, I should not be entrusted with this, but actually in the first service I turned it off. So there you go. It's on. So it's on. lead us, Good. sister. Okay. Father, I just thank you that this is the desire of your heart. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that you have raised up a move of unity in yes, the body Lord. of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Lord, where there is no unity, your Holy Spirit won't move. So now there's unity, and now you're free to move. And God, we just thank you and praise you that you're not willing that any be lost. So, Lord, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I already know you're going to do so many things we can't even comprehend. But we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. You, and Lord. I ask that you would just fill us with your love and yes. the humility and the yes. obedience of Jesus yes. as we just go forth and invite people to come and see for themselves. Yeah. And, Lord, I just ask your protection on people. Yeah. Some of us people that can't see in the dark wouldn't stumble, slip, or fall. Um, but, Lord, we just praise you. you we praise you for the victory over darkness and the unity. And, Lord, I just ask that you continue to add to the churches that are coming together and working together. And, Lord, I also pray that you would just bring Urban Crest right in. 
Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Can I just give this to you so I don't do something wrong with it? Thank you, Peggy. Appreciate it. Well, good morning again. I'm going to finish the As Is series. This is the last installment in five weeks of just talking about As Is, that God takes us as we are, right? He doesn't leave us there, but he'll take us exactly as we are. We don't have to do anything to come to God except come to God. He'll take us exactly as we are, and we've seen in the scriptures that he has plans for us, plans to take us from where we are to other places. Now, I've noticed something about in my conversations with people during this series, and in my conversations between, uh, I've noticed that there seems to be as much interest in my tractor and uh, the development of my old tractor, my old 63-year-old Massey Ferguson TO35. Yeah, we're the same age, myself and my tractor. <laughs> we're the same age, if you can appreciate that, right? Well, I've just noticed there seems to be as much talk about the tractor than in the spiritual point that I've been trying to make with the tractor. You know, this isn't about tractors, right? Does everybody know this? It's not really about tractors, but it's an example, an illustration, a metaphor, if you will, of what it is to come to the Lord and to be rescued by Him from abandonment and to be, be repurposed, to be revived. That's what Jesus Christ is all about. Tell me when I'm wrong, right? That's what it's about. So I thought I'd show you a little bit, since you're so interested in the tractor, just a little bit about the process of what we're talking about. Starts in the upper left-hand corner up here. Abandoned in a field, right? Abandoned, marginalized, forgotten, given up on. Anybody relate? Given up on. Nothing to live for. Just waiting to finish rusting out. But along comes somebody with a vision. Along comes somebody that says, I hate to see things go to waste. And to rescue it and haul it home and power wash the surface rust off, put some tires on it, get back down into the, into the guts of the engine, make it run again. It's not new yet, but it's running. It works, right? Some of you remember when several years it looked like that second picture, right? Yeah, I was in no hurry. The work, the work takes time. I was developing a relationship, right? <laughs> it was doing all the work. It was bush hogging. It was plowing. It was disking. It was plowing snow. It was grading the driveway. It was hauling hay wagons. Some of you took hay rides behind that gray tractor, right? Yeah, some of you remember that. And off it goes one day, the day of the master's choosing. That'd be me in this case. It's a, it's a metaphor, right? It was taken into the barn and disassembled taken down to its core, up in the right, and then now right down below. Part of the process of being rescued, refined, repurposed is the whole business of grinding, sanding, grind. It's a caustic process. It's a caustic process to be in this with the Lord. He's got some stuff to take off of us, doesn't he? But you got to get it ready, and you got to get it ready for what? Do you paint it? No, you prime it. You get it ready to receive the paint. Hello? Can you make the application? Hello? You gotta, you gotta prime it. You gotta make it ready. And then you can start painting it. Start painting it the colors you want. Like I said, that's not supposed to be those colors. It's supposed to be red and gray. That's what Massey Ferguson's are. But why would you paint it two when you can paint it eight or seven, right? Why would you do that? 
And then you can start doing your amazing blue painting over here. You guys are so insecure. I just can't even believe that. Man, you guys are so easy. I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, you know, a guy can't help where he's from, right? Can't. Is that true? Is that true? Remember when I was preaching last week and I said, I don't know if I said in this service or not, but if, I think I said in the first service that if we're talking about Samaria and all that up north, remember that? And the first service, I think I said that if God called you to Canada, most of you wouldn't go through. You'd go to Michigan. You'd go around, right? You'd go, you'd go around like Wisconsin or through Buffalo or something like that. Well, it was pointed out to me by Jim Hoops, who travels for his job, that right over the Michigan state line is a town called Samaria. <laughs> I, you know, I wish I thought of that. I'd, I'd, that would have been brilliant, right? Anyway, you start, you, start, you start this, and then you put it back together. Start putting it back together piece by piece, and then you wind up with this. Starts here, ends here. No, it doesn't end there. That's not done. That's not done. It's not done until it's doing something, right? It's not done until it fulfills its purpose. You know, God isn't rescuing us just to paint us, right? He's rescuing us to purpose us. And this thing isn't done until it's fulfilling its purpose, like a couple of grandsons sitting on the seat, one telling the other how to drive the thing, right? (laughs) Right? Now it's starting to get done, right? Now, neither one of them know how to drive this thing. You get that, right? But Desmond on the left is three at the time, and he knows everything. Ira, his cousin on the right, was two, and he was getting schooled about how this is all going to play out. But now you can see that it's starting to fulfill its purpose, right? Oh, but what about a purpose like this next one right here? In the Arts in the Alley parade, whatever year that was. And there we are, and pulling that hay wagon, that's my hay wagon, and we put red sides on it that said radio flyer on the side and loaded it up with a bunch of kids, right? Now it's fulfilling its purpose. We won, we won a prize that year for our float <laughs> in the parade. I'd like to think it had something to do with the driver. <laughs> Probably not. I think it was because Peggy was here walking along there. See there? There it is. That's the cutest sailor hat I ever saw right there on top of your head. <laughs> Enough? All right. <laughs> Got to take your shots when they come. It's not done until it's fulfilling its purpose. We think about this as a, a metaphor, an illustration of what God's doing in our lives. I don't rescue tractors just to make them look nice or even run well. I rescue tractors to put them back into the stream of life so somebody can use them. And that's an image of my ministry. It's what I want to do. It's what I've always done. It's just I hate to see things go to waste. I hate it. I hate seeing somebody off on the side out there, marginalized, forgotten. That's the person I'm looking for. That's the one I'm looking for. I'm not looking for shiny tractors. 
I'm, I hate to see someone go to waste, and I want to find that person. I want to help them get reconnected to God. I want to help them through this process. I can't put you through that process. That's the process of the Lord, the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's caustic. It's difficult. It's painful at times, isn't it? The Lord's got a pretty heavy hand sometimes. Am I right? But it's a good hand. It's a loving hand. And it's a hand that has a purpose in mind. It hand, it's, he's not just trying to make us look nice, teach us the rules. He's got purpose for every single one of us. He takes us as we are and has a plan. He has a plan just to draw us through by the action of his loving Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the Bible, the fellowship with one another, how iron sharpens iron, right? The process of doing ministry and using our hands for the work of the Lord and all that God just draws us through in that process. He's not just trying to make us look nice. He's got purpose. Purpose for every single one of us. This is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me show you from the Bible in Luke chapter 5. I want to show you this this morning. By looking at this account of the calling of a man named Levi. Luke chapter 5. Calling of a man named Levi. Levi was a tax collector. We've been over some of that ground before. Not a popular person. Not probably an honest person. And the Lord called him. And he made him one of his 12 disciples. He became Matthew, actually. So we got this guy named Levi. And I want to show you about how God called him, not just to make him look nice, but to fulfill purpose. Verse 27, after this, whoa, we better stop, right? What do we want to ask? Well, after what, right? I mean, do you want to understand your Bible or you just want to read it? Say understand. I want to understand it. Well, when you see a phrase like after this, you know that it's not just in there incidentally, that it has a purpose for being in there, that there's something about Levi that, is, that applies to what happened previously. Well, how do you find out what after this is about? You look before that, right? Okay, so you flip back a page or two and you see that Jesus is baptized. That's big. And you see that he was tempted by the devil but was victorious. You see he was rejected in his hometown, Nazareth, and that he went off on ministry, that he drove out an evil spirit, that he healed a whole bunch of people, including Simon Peter's mother-in-law, that he called his first four disciples, he cleansed a man with leprosy, and he healed a paralytic. That's a pretty big time, right? And then it says that after this, it's going to tell us about Levi. After all this is going on, Levi's still in his tax booth. After Jesus is going about healing people, he wasn't impressed by the miracles, he's still in the tax booth. Everybody's talking about Jesus. Everybody's talking. They were talking about Jesus. Of course they were. But it didn't get to Levi. He's still in his tax booth. So after all this happened, Somehow, Levi was able to resist the whole thing. And we read on, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Well, what was he doing there? He was collecting taxes, right? That ain't rocket surgery, is it? Huh? Come on. He was collecting taxes, right? 
Of course, that's what tax collectors do. And we visited this before, that these tax collectors were appointed by the Romans and they were given authority to collect taxes and they could collect whatever they wanted, whatever amount they wanted to collect. And they had to send in a certain portion to the Romans, but they got to keep the rest. So they were largely dishonest people. And he's sitting on the road to Capernaum here and all these great loads of merchants are going by and he had some of those gladiator type dudes with him with the big spears to stop people and say, well, I'm going to look over your load and tell you how much you owe. He could do that. And they had to pay. I know how this works. I had this same experience in one of my trips to India. Want to hear about it? It's good because I'm going to tell you. So it was one of my earlier trips, maybe my third, maybe fourth trip, I'm not sure, trips to India. And I'd already been a few times, and I was going, in this particular trip, I was by myself. Um, and as I was going, um, you know, Pastor Stephen, my Indian friend, my best friend, my brother in the Lord, uh, he, he always asked me to bring stuff that they couldn't get there. And I always asked before I came, is there anything you want me to bring? Well, this time he said, well, I want you to bring a keyboard, like like that kind, not a computer keyboard, but a musical keyboard for, for the worship band in their, in their campus area there. And I said, all right. So we went and we bought one and had a case on it, a nice hard shell case with wheels on it and stuff. And so I checked it in my luggage and checked it with my bag. And so that when I got to Bangalore and got my luggage, I'm heading out to the front where Pastor Stephen's going to pick me up, right? And I'm walking. I learned in my earlier trips that when you do that, if you want to avoid customs, if you just want to avoid trouble, you just look like you know where you're going and you just walk resolutely. Don't look to the right or the left. Don't look at the guys in the uniforms with the AK-47s. Whatever you do, don't, do not look at them. And I'd been through that system enough times to know that's how you do it. Well, this time was a little different because I'm dragging this thing, right? Uh, they called me over. So there's three or four of these guys over by this counter, and they said, well, what's in the case? I said, well, it's a keyboard. Open it up, open it up, you know, musical keyboard. A lot of sign language I do when I'm over there, you know. And they said, what are you doing with it? I said, I'm just bringing it as a gift. I'm not going to sell it. I'm just bringing it to give as a gift. And they said, well, you've got to pay taxes on that to get it in. I said, really? And they said, yeah. And... Uh, I said, how much? And they said, well, what's, what's the value? I said, we paid $1,000 for it. He said, all right. Tax is 300 bucks. $300. I'm a what? So I told them something that wasn't a lie, but it wasn't the whole truth. <laughs> it wasn't a lie. I said, if I give you $300, I won't have any money for cab fare. Now, I didn't need cab fare because <laughs> Pastor Stephen was waiting for me. I think that was from the Lord because I'm not that quick. You know, that just, <laughs> I said, if, if I give you $300, I won't have any money for cab fare. And they kind of talked and they said, one of them looked at me and said, well, will you need a receipt? And I said, no, I will not need a receipt. He said, come with me. So I, he's got this gun slung out. I walk in behind this. I don't know why I did this. I walked behind this place where nobody else could see. And he said, if you don't need a receipt, it's $50. I said, done. 
and I paid the tax. That's how it rolls. So I walk out, right? And there's Steve, and he's wondering what's taking me so long. And I go out, and I say, oh, they stopped me, blah, 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 blah. And Steve and I were always so competitive. And, and walked out, and, he, and I said, and so, but I got him down to 50. He said, oh, I would have got out for 20. <laughs> that sounds like him, right? I know, I, I know this text thing. And that's who Levi was. He was that guy. He was the will-you-need-a-receipt guy. He was a legalized criminal. <laughs> you can make sense of that phrase. <laughs> so he saw by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth, and then Jesus said two words that changed his life. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Two words that changed his life forever. Follow me. Follow me. Some of you, if you let yourself dial down, you'll hear the Lord saying that to you right now. Follow me. Follow me. Two words that changed Levi's life forever. Look at the next verse. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. See, for Levi, it wasn't about all the miracles that Jesus could do. It wasn't about all the chatter. It wasn't until Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. It changed everything for him. Maybe you're here today, and you're, you're here, and you know you see the excitement, you see the enthusiasm and stuff, and you go, I'm just not feeling it, you know? That's great. For, I'm, and, you're, and you're happy for us. You're like, I'm glad for you if that's all working out for you. Maybe today you're going to hear what you need to hear, and that's follow me. It's not about being a part of a particular thing. It's about following Jesus. So follow me. And he got up and he followed him. Look what happened next in verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Well, he invited his friends. Who were his friends? Oh, other criminals. This is the mafia, right? This is Goodfellas right here, and they're having a dinner. Who, who else could you invite? Who would come to your house? And so he invites all of these other tax collectors and sinners why would Jesus go there? Why would Jesus go there? He was looking for more deals. He was cruising Craigslist looking for more as-is cases. <laughs> he, was, he was going to the, the place where he wanted to be because those were the people who needed him. That's where Jesus goes. He wasn't looking for shiny tractors, was he? He was looking for the abandoned. He was looking for the sinners. He was looking for the people who were rejected. Next verse, but the Pharisees. Oh, man. Every week we run into these guys, haven't we? It's every week. We're cruising along. Jesus is doing a gas-is thing with somebody. And who shows up? The Pharisees. 
Yeah, dun-dun-dun. We used to do that. If you're newer here, every time I used to say Pharisees, the church would go, dun-dun-dun. It got obnoxious, so we stopped. I'm going to let you do it once. But the Pharisees, or at least do it together, all right? Uno mas. Oh, it's rubbing off, brother. Uno mas. But the Pharisees, that's good. I can't believe I said that. Alabanza, Jesus. Okay, sorry, that was for four of you in the room. Okay. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus gives his answer. What does he say? What's he say? That's what I'm doing here. He said, right? These are the people who need me. This is why I've come. Healthy people don't need a doctor. (laughs) I've come for them. I've come for the as-is people. I love it. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus went to Levi's house because those were the people. And he looked at him and he said, perfect. I left heaven for you. And then follow me. I left heaven for you. And he says, I know the way out. You're in a predicament of sin and condemnation. Jesus said, I know the way out. Follow me. Come on. Follow me. Follow him to the cross. But I got good news for you next Sunday. When you look at Levi here, you have to understand that from Jesus' standpoint, Levi was wasting his life in the tax booth. He was wasting his life. He had one life, just like you. He had one life, and he was wasting his life in the tax booth. He was making a ton of money, but he was still wasting his life. He was wielding great power, but he was wasting his life. He was throwing great parties, but he was wasting his life in the tax booth. Life without Jesus is a waste. Just living one day to the next, trying to talk yourself into this and talk yourself out of that. Life without Jesus is a waste. And Levi was wasting his life, but Jesus had another plan for him. It was the fulfillment of the purpose of God. And so he called him out of the tax booth where he was wasting his life into a life where he followed Jesus into the company of the twelve where he became one of the disciples. And what a picture is that of what Jesus is doing in our lives, right? He's not calling us out of abandonment. He's not calling us out of it just to make us look nice. He's calling us to purpose. How about you? I want you to think about your life. When you think about your life, 
Are you living your life with purpose, with eternal purpose? That doesn't mean everybody's going to be pastors or missionaries or whatever. You do what you do, but are you living it for the king? And are you, are, are you fulfilling God's purpose? Or are you wasting your life? One of my favorite authors is John Piper, and he wrote a very good book called Don't Waste Your Life. Imagine where I went to look for something to share with you, right? He said, desire that your life count for something. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through this life without a passion. Want this. Yearn for this. God, what is my purpose? God, what do you want to do? Here I am, I'm a nurse. When I, when I take my shift, when I take the floor, what do you want to do with me today? God, I'm a teacher. God, I'm driving this truck. God, I'm fill in the blank. What can I do right now to fulfill your purpose? Piper goes on to say, but whatever you do, find the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life. And find your way to say it and live for it and die for it. And you will make a difference that lasts. You will not waste your life. It's really up to you to decide how you're sitting in your booth. That part is up for you to decide. But if you turn to the Lord and say, I don't just want to pass the days. I want, I want to be used by you to fulfill your purpose wherever you have stationed me. Piper said something interesting when we talked about, you know, well, how do I discover what my purpose is? That's an understandable question. Okay, I'm in, Tom, but how do I know what God wants me to do? He said, the answer, my friend, is not yours to invent or create. You don't have to figure this out yourself. He says, it will be decided for you. It is outside you. It is real and objective and firm. One day you will hear it. You don't create it. He said, you don't define it. It comes to you, and sooner or later you conform to it or bow to it. We live our lives each day and say, God, whatever you want today, I'm not going to make this up. I'm not going to invent it. I want to be, be in your hands fulfilling your purposes. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan, your purpose. So would you just think about your life this morning for me? I mean, what made Levi follow? He'd, he'd passed on all the popularity of Jesus. He'd passed on the miracles. What made him follow? What made him say, I'm going to leave all this money and all this power. I'm just going to leave this. It was the call of God. It was the call of Jesus. And would you just dial down with me for a moment and just say, Lord, what are you calling me to? What are you calling me toward? God, I thank you. Just say, just, just thank the Lord for his rescue. For those of you who are already saved, would you just take a second and thank God for your salvation? That you're going to heaven after this? That the worst thing that could happen to you today is the best thing that could happen? You could die and go to heaven? Would you just give God thanks for that for a second? Would you just ask him if you're fulfilling 
his purposes. Ask him if he has something to say to you about your purpose. Levi was persuaded by two words, follow me. Now, I also want to just talk to those of you who, by your own admission and your own evaluation, you're, you're not right with God yet. You're not, you're not a Christian yet. You would say this. I would never say that about you. But by your own assessment, you say, I, I, haven't, I haven't ever come to the Lord. I have never really given my life to Jesus in the way that I'm understanding it now. I've never asked Christ to be Savior and Lord of my life. I just want to talk to you for a second and just, just ask you if, if you're feeling that stir, that stirring from the Lord right now. That You're hearing him say, follow me. You're hearing him say, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you're going to cross over from condemnation to salvation. Today is the day you're going to cross over from death to life. Today is the day. And you're just sensing that inside, that today is the day. And that's good because this is the last message of this series. And I, I, I was really impressed by God just to, make it, just to make it a series that was very accessible to people who don't yet believe. And this is it. We're going on. God will have something else for us next. And these salvation times, this stirring time, they come in seasons. And I'm just telling you, if you're a person here today who wants to give your life to Christ, do it today. Do it today. I was praying about this, and the Lord kept giving me a phrase about, and the phrase was, seek the Lord while he may be found. The last three or four days of this week, he kept saying that, and, and so I, I knew that was in the Bible, and this very morning, as I was praying about how to, how to end the service today or move into ministry time, I prayed, God, would you, would you remind me where that is? I opened my Bible, and it fell open to Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's the word for you today. If you have not yet come to the place of asking Christ into your life, And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to receive prayer for that. You can cross over. In just a moment, we're going to be uh, worshiping the Lord. And as we do, I'm going to move into this little room right over here to my right. And there's some chairs in there. And if you're a person who today would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to be in there to pray with you or to answer questions. Maybe you just have questions about it. You just want to ask a question about it. You can come on in. We'll be out of, the, out of the volume of the room and stuff, and that's what I'm going to be doing over there. Now, we'll have other prayer ministry people up along the sides. If you have something else you want to receive prayer for this morning, we always want to invite the Holy Spirit to move in our, in our gatherings. But I'm going to be in that room just for those of you who today would like to come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I can help you with that. You know, Levi was in his tax booth, and... And the Lord said, follow me. And then he had a choice. 
So it would seem he had a choice. He had to move his feet. He didn't receive Christ from the booth. It says immediately he left his booth and followed Jesus. Would you stand with me, church? Let's have some prayer ministry people come on over to the side. Lord, as we come to this time in our service, we pray for a vibrant move of your Holy Spirit here among us to do the things that your, your faithful need, Father, to heal us, to repair broken marriages, to, to counsel people who are struck with manic depression and can't seem to manage their moods. Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, come. For those who are filled with anxiety over a pending job change, Father, come and tell them that we've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread, that you're the signer of our paychecks, God. You are the provider. Father, for anybody who's just facing these kind of things, for that one with coronary uh, uh, artery disease, I can just see three coronary arteries blocked and they could be healed today. If you have angina, if you have some kind of uh, thing that's been diagnosed as that, I want you to come to these people off to the sides, tell them it's you and God will bless you, he'll touch you today. Holy Spirit, come. And I pray, Father, you know my heart. I pray for those who don't yet know you, those who are thinking about it. I pray, God, that you would just get into their, into their hearts today and say, come, follow me. In Jesus' name, amen.